Turn with me, if you would, in your Bibles. We're going to kick off Advent in Luke chapter 1. This begins what will be a year in the book of Luke. We're going to stop periodically and teach a new spiritual practice as a community. Next one will be at Lent. We're going to talk about the practice and discipline of confession. But in between those breaks, we are just going to walk through the way of Jesus. There are so many that are compelled. There are people in this room today who don't want anything to do necessarily with Christianity. They're spiritual but not religious, but they are fascinated with Jesus. And I am with you. Just preparing for this has been so fun to reread stories that I think I know and I think I remember what Jesus is like. He always seems to be a little harsher than I remember and always seems to be a little more comforting than I remember. Right? I don't ever have that thing happen. You reread a story and you're like, whoa, where did that, that does not fit like hippie Jesus I have in my mind. And then you read other stories and you're like, I do not remember you being that, like that loving and that caring and that open. That's a little much. It's beautiful. Grace and truth, right, he comes with. So Luke 1. The passage we're going to focus on actually today is, um, is uh, Mary's song. I'm going to get to that in a minute. In 46 through 55, which is called the Magnificat, if you're familiar with your church history. But I'd like to go back a little bit and give us a little context for what's going on here. So Mary finds out that, uh, that she, from an angel, just just normal story, normal everyday story, that she is going to give birth and it's not going to be her betrothed Joseph's baby. So this is going to happen outside of the normal ways that babies happen. If you are confused on how babies happen, uh, we can talk about that after as well. And so Mary is, <laughs> Mary is a bit overcome, but receptive to what is happening. Her friend, Elizabeth, is also with child in a miraculous way. And she is going to give birth to the figure uh, in the scriptures named John the Baptist. They're cousins, actually, Jesus and John the Baptist. And we'll read more about his story next week. Mary gets ready, verse 39, hurries to a town in the hill country of Judea where she entered Zechariah's home and greeted Elizabeth, Zechariah's Elizabeth's husband. When Elizabeth heard Mary's greeting, the baby leaped in her womb. She hears Mary come through the door. Mary says, whatever her greeting is, and the baby in her womb leaps. And Elizabeth was filled with the Spirit in a loud voice, she exclaimed, this is Elizabeth, blessed are you among women and blessed is the child you bear. Now, Elizabeth is much, much, much older. So that's the miracle for Elizabeth that she is pregnant. Mary, uh, no one knows how old she was, to be very clear, but scholars guess she's somewhere between probably 12 and 16. Sometimes we forget that part of the story. It's very unlikely that she'd be older than that. Very unlikely. And probably towards the lower end, 12, 13. This is a moment where an older woman 
looks at Mary who comes in the door to greet her as we're gonna learn in a minute to help with the pregnancy. And she is pretty excited. Blessed are you among women. What a great way to be like welcomed in the door. And blessed is the child that you will bear. Why am I so favored as the mother of my Lord should come to me? As soon as the sound of your greeting reached my ears, the baby in my womb leaped for joy. Blessed is she who has believed that the Lord would fulfill his promises to her. We learn that they stay together in the same house then for another three months, presumably Mary helping Elizabeth with delivering the baby and then Mary takes off. The image that I have in my mind when these two greet are, uh, I remember uh, two friends of mine, one telling the other that they were pregnant and neither of them knew. One was planning on telling one and the other wasn't planning on telling it. And I watched the two of them for easily what felt like hours, but it was probably like 15 seconds of them just like going like this and then going like this and trying to like touch the non-existent belly because they were so early in the pregnancy. It was just overcome, like so much joy. I imagine some version of this happening. And Elizabeth somehow knows, right? There's a lot to, to unpack here, but Elizabeth has this sense that, oh my gosh, this Messiah that we've been waiting for, this king that we've been waiting for, the ache of not just a decade or a century, but a millennia, the ache, the ache that their whole their people feel, these Jewish people feel this ache that will the Messiah come? When will he come? What do we have to do to get him to come? There's confusion. There's assumption that they've done wrong. There's obviously, we'll read through, if you're familiar with the scriptures, that all, all of the disciples and the people around assume he's going to be one kind of king, but he actually turns out to be a very different kind of king. And we see here already the Jesus story unfolding. Jesus is revealed to us. We're told the first things about who this king will be, who is going to begin to make everything right, starts off with a girl who's probably 12 years old in a city called Nazareth, which we know nothing, quote, good comes from Nazareth, was a phrase. A lowly girl who's going to get accused of sexual infidelity, who's going to be pushed to the margin, who's going to have to be on the run, at a time where it seems like there is no hope, the God of the universe, if we're to trust this story, makes himself known to us. This is the power of the, the, the Christian story. It's peculiar and it's strange. And if you're sitting here trying to go, okay, we're talking virgin birth and we're saying that a rabbi who came you know, 2,000 years ago was somehow like, like God in flesh showing, it what, showing us what all spirituality is like and is now like the king and is somehow making all things new in some disconnected but very involved spiritual way. I know I have a hard time with that. Welcome to the club. It's okay. Safe place. Sanctuary. But this is what we believe. 
This is what followers of Jesus throughout history have believed. This is what has catalyzed movements of love and justice in the world like we've never seen. This is the story that we actually can know what God's like and he's not a mystery. We don't have to do eight different things, nine different things, 15 different things. We don't have to do a bunch of stuff to get God to have favor with us. Actually, God has come to us. Actually, God's grace has shown up at our front door and he has said, here's what I'm like and here's what I wanna do and I wanna bring you home. And then I'm gonna begin to work with you. It's better for me, Jesus says, to actually leave you so that you might be agents of love and you're gonna do even greater things you've seen me do. And for all the steps backwards that are gonna happen, it's gonna be one beautiful move forward of me putting the world back together through you. This is the story. But Mary and Elizabeth are freaking out because they are overjoyed going, oh my, is this really the moment? Is this the moment where God is going to not just dip his toe into human history? He is going to take a dive into like our water. And he's going to do it in this way. They are ecstatic. And so do you know what Mary does? She sings the line. My soul glorifies the Lord. Because when things are awesome, or when you're trying to conjure awesome, or when you're trying to like, like make sense of all the crazy emotions that are going on in your head, what do you usually do? Not all of us, but what do a lot of us do? We, we put on a song. When a song comes on the radio and it brings us back to a moment of heartache, like anyone know like the song that is like is is high school like is senior year is summer before college you got a song like what's the song that's like summer before college no diggity i that is one of the best beats that's like the, the apex of like new jack swing the mhm ah oh, it's so good right no dig all right what else what November rain, guns and roses, right? You have like a song that just like feels, so this is, um, I've had a beautiful opportunity to DJ a couple friends' weddings over the years. It's just like a labor of love. Like I enjoy it. Um, so I'll do the ceremony and people at the wedding are so confused. One, they're really confused that I have a wife because most people just assume it'd be Catholic. They're confused by the ceremony because it's not what they expected. And then I show up and I put, I'm like behind a DJ desk and I start playing No Diggity and they're just, their minds are blown. I take great, great joy in that whole thing. And I've noticed that the songs that I pick, right, are pretty critical and it's the songs for the most part, you don't tend to play a bunch of really negative, sad songs at a wedding, Right? You just, you play the joy. You play the joy. And so I was asking um, uh, my friend of mine, he's a barista over at Bolt who I've gotten to know. We're just literally, I don't know her that well. We're just sitting there and I'm like working on my talk. And I just ask her like, hey, songs that like are all about just like magnifying someone, like, like praising them, like just so excited about them. Why, why do we love those songs? Like how do those songs make you feel And she wrote, they just make me feel hopeful that someone can feel that strongly about another person. She said, it it makes me then feel in turn that I might one day feel that strongly about a person. When I hear a song that's just like, I love you and you're the best. 
right? I was trying to think of like good examples of these songs. This one, this one on there? Maybe not. All right. That was going to be super smooth. Okay. You know what I'm talking about? No matter how far. Don't worry, baby. Turn it up, turn it up. I'll be there in a hurry. You don't have to worry. Oh, baby, there ain't no mountain high enough. Ain't no valley low. Come on. The king. Wise men say. about another person in turn that I could feel that strongly about another person. Just like filling me with happiness. You know? Floor. The wedding's like almost dead. This comes on. The Backstreet Boys. And it's just people like. Fire, and you can't even really dance to this. It's so slow. Desire, so it's just like white people going like this and then everyone else is dancing properly. Say. <laughs> Mary just goes in light and in response to millennial of ache. When will the healing come? God's going to use me? And I, I, I get this sense that the reason why the song shows up here is because all of a sudden she's confronted with it. Like it's reflected back to her. You ever have a moment where you've like gotten good news, but then when you share it with someone else and they're excited, like you're way more excited than you were even when you got the news. Do you know what I'm talking about? Like all of a sudden it's reflected back. You're like, oh, I have someone else to share this with. So Elizabeth, Mary, walks in the door and Elizabeth just goes, oh, blessed are you. Blessed are you. I can't believe that I'm in the presence. Here is a what, 60, 70, 80-year-old woman, like in the presence of a 12-year-old, 13-year-old going, I can't believe that I get to be in the presence of the mother of Jesus. And Mary's like, oh yeah, this is a big deal. I, I don't know what she's saying, but what she does then say is this. My soul magnifies the Lord. My soul magnifies the Lord. And my spirit rejoices in God, my Savior. For he has been mindful of the humble state state of his servant. She's talking about herself. Or maybe she's talking about Israel. From now on, all generations will call me blessed. For the mighty one has done great things for me. Holy is his name. 
His mercy extends to those who fear him from generation to generation. He has performed mighty deeds with his arm. He has scattered those who are proud in their inmost thoughts. He has brought down rulers from their thrones, but has lifted up the humble. He has filled the hungry with good things, but has sent the rich away empty. He has helped his servant, remembering to be merciful to Abraham and to his descendants forever, just as he promised. She goes from, I can't help falling in love with you. My soul magnifies the Lord. You are so good to rage against the machine. Did you just listen to that? She goes from great joy to like, I mean, I can't help but think that she has in mind the Roman oppressors that are over her. She knows the ache and the state of her people. And she goes, God, I can't believe you're going to do this. That means that the clock is ticking for those in power. That means the clock is ticking who have put their hope and confidence in wealth. That means you are revealing something. Mary gets it about who you are. This is the brilliance of this story. And this is one of the things that Advent draws out of who God is, how this story magnifies God, is it shows us the kind of God that he's like. God could have come to anybody through any like brilliant um, family line, born into the chief, the high priest's household, born to somebody who had more money, who had greater pedigree, greater intellect, looked better. I don't know, maybe, maybe Mary was a stunner, but like, like could have been born into something so rich and he decides to come in this way through that person in Nazareth. Nothing good comes from Nazareth. I don't think as a follower of Jesus, and I've been following Jesus for a very long time, I don't think I've ever been able to get over this understanding of how the God of the universe comes to us. It gets highlighted with me because I have a lot of conversations, and I'm sure you do too in a city like Providence, where people are unpacking their spirituality to me. And they're talking to me as a pastor, because once they learn I'm a pastor, and I try to hide that for a little bit, just so they're not immediately then either run for the hills or they put their drink down very quickly. All of a sudden, they don't have any F-bombs in their vocabulary, right? Or they start like just wanting to immediately go to sometimes what feels like a really like vulnerable, open spiritual conversation, which is what I love. And I have these moments where they're talking about trying to make sense of meaning or what it means to be alive or a person. And these aren't all like highbrow philosophical conversations. This is just like, I don't know what I believe about the world anymore. It comes back to our president. It comes back to our, our, our the anthropology. It comes back to our sexuality. It comes back to these fundamental things that are like in the air. We're trying to make sense of what it means to be me. And I just go, man, I'm not expecting you to like jump in and buy all this, but can I tell you about the story that I believe about the whole world? That the God of the universe showed up and he's not vague like Jedi force spirituality. And he's not heavy handed. And he's not just looking for the righteous. And he's not just looking for the ones who have it all together. No, no, no. Let me tell you like how it begins. How the story of this Jesus begins. Oh, it begins with. It begins with showing up 
in the womb of a 12-year-old peasant in a backwoods town. And Mary then launches in, in light of all of this, she shows us and reveals to us the nature of what God is doing. Just a few thoughts and notes for you. Magnifying the Lord. It's like in a similar way, like as a magnifying glass. It's enlarging the picture of who God is. It allows us to see, a magnifying glass allows you to see what you're looking at better. And so what we're seeing in here is like a different economy and a different culture, like a different way to be in the world. He has been mindful of his humble servant. His mercy extends to those who fear him. By the way, fear him there isn't necessarily directly related to being scared. This is like you have a, like to those who recognize that he is God, who are in awe of, who has a proper perspective on who they are and who God is. He extends his mercy to those who actually lean on him and want it. He has performed mighty deeds with his arm. She's remembering the amazing work that he's done and how he scattered the proud in their inmost thoughts because that's where pride lives. God's choosing of Mary is so important. It aligns with his character, the least and the humble and the unlikely is who God comes to. He has brought down the rulers from their throne, but has lifted up the humble. He's filled the hungry with good things, but sent the rich away empty. So his coming means two things for two groups of people, if you're taking notes. He's scattered the proud, brought down the rulers, and sent the rich away empty. He's lifted up the humble and filled the hungry with good things. So the coming of the king to establish his kingdom sets things right according to his norms and standards. So one way to put it would be like, we think of Mary as like, as I've just mentioned like six times, as not exactly a celebrity figure. But let's get it clear. Like she's not a celebrity figure in our eyes, in our culture's eyes, and how we naturally operate. But in some like interesting, funny, twisted way, the great reversal, many call it, Mary is absolutely a celebrity of the kingdom of God. She's Mary's royalty. But we know that in the way of Jesus, the royalty looks something, looks a bit different. Royalty isn't chasing after power. Royalty isn't the one who has the most money wins. This is not what royalty and esteem look like. This is why following the way of Jesus is hard. And that's why we chafe when we see followers of Jesus doing something very different than walking the path of grace and mercy and humility. This is a story where God's revealing his integrity. This is who I always said I was. Let me show you even in the way that I come to you. He is faithful. This story says what he said, if you're familiar with it, with the scriptures, the Old Testament, the Torah, everything leading up to this moment, what he said he would do, he did. And what he said he was like, he is. This is a story about integrity and integrity in part is about faithfulness. God's faithful. God's faithful. And I want to just make this argument to us today, especially those here who maybe are brand new to the way of Jesus, that there's a deep comfort that comes from being able to trust someone, is there not? Not? 
There's a rest. There's a rest and a peace that comes from being able to trust someone. How good is that? To be able to go, I know you've got this. That's why some of us, we like, you know, long for our childhood. Remember when we could just, for those of you who had one that was good and redemptive. It's like, I remember when I could just, I could just trust dad with that. There was a low grade existential peace. This story is revealing that God can be trusted. This is going to be a theme that's going to weave through all of these songs that we're going to hit in the next four weeks. We're told earlier in the story, and there's this, these doubts of like, what might happen here. And, and it's a line that's taken or that's used elsewhere in Abraham, the story of Abraham. Anyone know it? Nothing is impossible with God. There's a comfort that comes from being able to trust that nothing is impossible with God, that he is faithful and that he can do it and that he can move. Mary is blessed because she believed that the Lord would fulfill his promise to her. And so she says, right, after hearing all of this insane news, all of this just this, this, this sense of being overwhelmed with the, with the goodness of God, with the fact that this whole story of her people is about to culminate in some way. She says, let it be to me according to your will. She says, okay, whatever you want, I trust you. I trust you. I can see you being faithful to your people. You're being faithful to your character. And now it appears as though you are going to be faithful even to me. That you've thought of me, little old Mary, and you've been mindful. Some of you just need to hear that and then go home. He's mindful of you. He's mindful of you. He sees you. He knows you and he's faithful. Lean on him. He is faithful to bring your story. to a place of beauty and redemption. The Jesus story begins with a sort of resting in the faithfulness of God. Write that phrase down. Resting in the faithfulness of God, even in all the uncertainty that exists around this story. Resting in the faithfulness of God. As how does Mary respond to this sort of God who does what he says he's gonna do, is who he says he is? She responds in three ways. She's humble and she's trusting And she takes the posture of a servant. She's humble, she's trusting, and she takes the posture of a servant. Been mindful of me in my humble state. Just to reiterate again, Kent Hughes, scholar, says, Mary was a nobody from a nothing town in the middle of nowhere. Doesn't sound very scholarly, but Mary was a nobody from a nothing town in the middle of nowhere. There's, a, there's just an, an, an implicit humility in her. When you live that way, when you have, uh, I'm seeing everybody fan themselves, so I'm gonna just turn the heat down a little bit. <laughs> 
when you, when you have a, a posture and it's been cultivated in you because of your upbringing, one of just humility, whatever you need, Lord. Let it be to me according to your will. You've been mindful of me. She's humble. There's a humility of being led by God. There's not an arrogance to take the reins. There is no arrogance to say, actually, I don't know if I can trust you with my way. I don't know if I can trust you with my life, which leads to trusting. She trusts. When the angel Gabriel came to share the good news sent by the Lord, Mary is frightened, and she's given this incredible promise of what was going to happen, but she didn't understand how. She didn't know how. This is earlier in the story. She doesn't know how this is all going to happen. She trusts. God always gives you the what before he gives you the how. So often in my life, I've seen God gives me the, here's what's gonna happen. He doesn't always give me the how. There's an invitation to step into the story and to trust him. That's true for anybody else? God's given you like the what, but hasn't given you quite the how? I don't know, I take a little bit of comfort in like I'm not the only one that that happens to. Like, did I just miss the instructions? You told me where we're going. You didn't tell me how we're gonna get there. Anyone else that frustrate a little bit? Like, come on. There's something about that faith that God is continually asking for. Trust me. I realize this. I know it's always a tired analogy when pastors bring up their kids, but it just, it's, I can't help but see it all the time. I cannot explain to you, Harper, exactly why we have to move at this speed at this time with those boots on. She's five years old. And she's in that age where it's just like, it's like, it's evolved. It's not just why. It's like, it's evolved now, right? She's just thinking a lot more and can process. So now there's like layers of why. It's still just why. But it's, yeah, but dad, but what if? She's like a barterer, my child. Yeah, I hear you, but what if I got the pink shoes with the sequins on it? No, no, you're going to be outside. It's going to be cold. Yeah, but daddy, like, Julie had the, the other one. Uh, uh, we got to get here. Here's where we're going. It's going to be good. I cannot tell you exactly how we're going to get there. I don't think Jesus is looking quite down on us exactly like that. But there is often an invitation for her thriving so often would just be, can you trust that mom and dad knows what's best for you? I need you to have some faith that this is actually gonna be awesome and I need you to walk with me. There's a constant invitation to faith. God always gives or usually gives you the what before he gives you the how. And so when it comes to the promises of God then, over your life and the things that you need to trust him with, do you even know them? Do you doubt the things that God maybe has already spoken over your life? Or do you doubt that God has things spoken over your life, that he has been mindful of you? Do you doubt that they will be fulfilled? Even more, like what of God's promises and purposes do you attempt to take into your own strength? What has God said? I want to do this in you. I've given you these gifts. I... I'm just going to take that, God. I got that one. It's been a heartbreaking season for me watching a handful of friends of mine just really kind of walk away from everything that they've known to be good and true. And so it's been interesting. It's been interesting that like watching gifts that have been handed to a good buddy of mine, watching gifts handed and then feeling like you, you, you are just, you want to take the wheel and not trust what God wants to do with that thing. There's a deep, 
trust. God interrupts our present life in order to impact our future life. And God asks of us always, like it requires us to walk with faith regardless of how impossible the promise may seem. And yet we know nothing is impossible with God. Let's write that one down forever. Nothing is impossible with God. All right, last piece. How do you respond as a servant? This is how Mary responds. I am the Lord's servant, Mary answered. Mary is a model of humble submission and surrender. She recognizes that she is a servant of the Lord. She humbly receives what's unfolding. She is open. There's this deep mark, not just of humility of where she comes from, but a deep mark of humility in her soul that God is going to do what God said he was going to do. I want to invite the band up. In all of this, what for you this week, as we begin this Advent season, does it look like for you have a posture of humility, surrender. And what does it look like for you to trust? We talk a lot about expecting things in Advent. These 24 days leading up to Christmas, we're expecting Jesus to come. For those of you who didn't grow up in, in, in this kind of church setting, I didn't grow up with a lot of the Advent piece. Like this is basically time travel what we're doing. Well, like kind of going back to try to remember what it was to be re-impacted all over again by the reality that Jesus, the Son of God, came into the world. And so we do this because it's good for our soul. And so we sit there in the posture of Mary and Elizabeth and the shepherds and we're expecting. What are you expecting of God in this season of your life? What are you expecting of God? Can I ask for a second? Will you just like write it down right now? Jot it in your notes. And it's okay if the answer is nothing. Own it. Name it. Let's step out of like, oh, I'm doing my church duty right now. Let's just like lean in and press in right now. What am I expecting of God? Are there promises that he's spoken over your life? Have there been things you've been praying for? Have there been disciplines that you've wanted to step into and practices of love and humility and generosity in life that you haven't? And that affects the answer to that question. What are you expecting from God? What's left undone right now? that question to a friend the other day they just answered everything I feel you I'm in that season right now as well what's left undone this advent we're inviting you to rest and that rest begins with trust I think it's rooted in trust for the follower of Jesus it's rooted in trust that nothing's impossible. That he's mindful of you. 
way God enters into this world, he is consistent with his character. He's consistent with what he said he would do. When we can rest in the promises of God, when we can hear Mary say, my soul magnifies the Lord, what does it do? What does it do? It, 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 it does, I think, what my barista friend said, right? When she hears those songs come on the radio, she hears that song at the wedding of somebody pouring out their undying love and like, I am gonna magnify that person, that man, that woman, she is good. She's better than good. She's the best. They've been faithful. They've loved well. They are who they say they are. You can lop all sorts of things. I know it's just a silly Elvis Presley song, but right, this is what wells up in our soul. And she says, it makes me hopeful that someone could feel that strongly about another person. And in turn, that someone could feel that strongly about me. I love that. There's a rest. Oh, I hear that and I long for it. But then the other side of that longing for it makes me go, oh, to know someone could love me like that is faithful and true and better than I am. I've never met anyone who's like, I wanna marry somebody not as good as me. Always reaching. So, followers of Jesus, those of you who are here, what are we expecting and do we expect God to do and be faithful to us? Do we expect that God is faithful and good and true? And are we ready to receive the rest one, one, one writer says, the peace that surpasses all understanding. I love that. The peace that doesn't even make a whole lot of sense would come upon us in a season. Feeling overwhelmed, tired. And as we come and close today to the communion table, we take the bread and we dip it in the cup. We are reminded of this, the culmination of this promise in a sense. God said he would come to us. God said, he said that his love endured forever. He said that it's by grace you've been saved. It's I will do the saving. Trust me and allow that to transform all of who you are. Experience the rest of the bread and cup. Experience the rest of undying, unfailing love experience the rest of a promise fulfilled. I don't know what you're going through. But please receive these words. Nothing is impossible with God. He is faithful and true. And so breathe out. hesitate to boil this down, but I just feel like I have to say this phrase, like like followers of Jesus, like, it's gonna be okay. I don't know how I feel in my heart, like I'm supposed to say that. Like some of you, I feel like I just need to like give a hug to you and say it's gonna be alright. It's gonna be okay. Even if not right here on the other side of eternity, God's putting it all back together. It's gonna be okay. This is what Advent sets us up for. Not just Christ has come, not just that he is coming, but he's going to come again. And if you're in here and there's something that rings true in your heart about that story, 
I want to encourage you when people are coming up to communion, maybe for you, you, you want to take a moment and just like tell somebody, like, I don't know what I believe about all this, but I'd like to know more about the way of Jesus. Maybe even right now, you just, you, you need to say like, yes, in your heart and you've held back for a while. Either way, let's take, let's come and eat together. Lord Jesus Christ, Son of God, thank you that you have come into the world. Thank you for this song that Mary sings to us. My soul magnifies the Lord. Thank you that she shows us, holds a magnifying glass up to your faithfulness, to your goodness, to your love, to your favor for the poor and oppressed and hurting and the humble. And we thank you, Lord the great promise of you making all things new here and now and in the age to come. In Christ's name, everyone said, we're going to sing a song as we take communion together and then I'll come back and close us out just a few minutes from now. If you're here and uh, you, you don't feel comfortable taking communion, you can feel free to take a seat. You can just simply come up if you would like. If you feel weird about staying seated, you can just come up. Um, you, and I, I want to encourage you, if you need prayer right now, you just want to, you need to cry with somebody, I don't know. You, maybe right now you've been like, I want to say yes to Jesus. I want to say yes to this story. I want to encourage you to line up in this line. There'll be two lines coming up. And go and talk with somebody over there who's in the corner. They'd love to pray with you, chat with you, help you in the next direction. So come forward. Let's take and eat bread of forgiveness and the wine of relief.